So um, again, we're, we are in the book of Acts. We're a few weeks in now as we've jumped back in. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it's funny because, like, I look at every chapter, and there are obviously themes. Uh, a lot of it's the same theme. Uh, because it just is woven throughout. I mean, they are going out and spreading the gospel. And so you're going to hear some things, not repeated you know, specifically, but definitely some themes that are, are repeated, and, and they probably should be. Um, if I were to give you a pop quiz on the sermon last week right now, um, you may kind of be like, no, please don't ask me that question of even what it was, what it was about. Um, and I'm, I'm the same way. I can't remember what I preached last week either, so don't worry. But... Um, but that's just how we are. And so we as humans, we just need repeat, repeating things sometimes, right? And finally, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it. And so we're going to uh, be kind of just on this theme. And it's funny. Uh, it's, well, it's interesting, too. Even a few weeks ago when uh, Jesse spoke, you know, talking about sharing and the, the gospel. And, and that's really, that's a theme that's carried throughout. And that's something, again, we're going to kind of come in and look at just uh, chapter 14 of Acts. And that's really what's happening. And they're going to different places. And I mentioned it last week that, um, and I had to go back and look at my notes, actually. But uh, I mentioned it last week that, you know, they're, they're, they're going to different situations. They're understanding the audiences that they're speaking to. They're not just going in with, like, a, a dry script and just going, blah, 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 blah. It's, okay, who, who am I speaking to, and what is, what is the best way to present this so that they understand? And we're going to see more of this today as we uh, continue our, our time with Paul and Barnabas uh, as they, they go throughout that region. Um, in our home right now, uh, just one of the fun things as, as we begin our time, I just want to share with you is, is dinner time. I like to eat, if you guys didn't know, um, and it's especially when it's good food. And the funny thing is, is, and I say this not with an ounce of pride, I promise, but we make good food, Leanna and I. We make great food. If you ever have a chance to have some of our food, you're probably going to like it. And that's just what we've been told. Um, because I'm not going to go through the hassle of making something if it's not good, right? Now, let me ask you guys a question. I mean, how many of you have gone out and, you know, I, a few years back, Leanna made the best investment of her life besides marrying me. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she bought a smoker for me, and I, I just can't stay away from it. It's like a love relationship. It really is. And so, you know, we smoke meats. And so we went back to a barbecue place that we loved before, and now it falls short. And ours, ours is better, frankly. I mean, it's just better. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't know if you kind of go through these things. So we, we make good food. And I know a lot of you have had a lot of your food. You guys make good food, a lot of you as well. Some of you, it's, you know, the jury's out a little bit. So when we do the potlucks, just bring, pick up something, okay? But, um, but in our house, when we make dinner, we make good food. And it go without fail. I mean, we have four other mouths to feed besides Leanne and I. These kids keep showing up at my table. Um, and they hang out at my house. Uh, they are ours, uh, but, but it, without fail, it doesn't, I can make the best, most pristine meal you've ever had, and one of them will have an issue with something, right? Yeah. One thing, right? And it's, it's funny, you know, because we make this food, we make these great meals, and it, it gets different responses, right? Even Levi, I think after mom and dad, his first word he learned was no, right? And so, you know, try this, no, he just pushes your hand away. He doesn't want it. And it's great food. And if you can kind of get it in his mouth and he's like, oh, this is good, I'll, I'll eat it. But it, it, there's something about that, right? There's, you can be presenting the best thing ever. <laughs> and you can still, some people can still miss their opportunity. Or they can still miss what it is you're presenting. 
And, you know, in our life, even, it doesn't even have to be sharing the gospel. It can be anything. And, you know, in our, in our lives here on earth, there are times when we have to maybe say something that's hard to someone. We may have a situation that we have to walk into. Maybe it's a work presentation or maybe it's just whatever. And we have to have this hard conversation. We have to do something or say something. And it's going to be met with mixed responses. If you've never experienced that, try being a pastor. You'll experience it very quickly, right? But most of us in our lives, we understand. We could be doing, you could give somebody a million dollars and they're gonna complain about the taxes they have to pay or something, right? And so understanding that, the sooner you can understand that, I think the older you get, the less you really care. Is that true? I mean, you're just kinda like, you can take it or leave it. This is what, you, what I'm giving you, right? But it's, it, it is. It's hard, though, isn't it? Because we want to be accepted. We want people to accept us. We want people to like us. And, you know, we, we present things, and especially when we're carrying something like the gospel that we know is life, that we know is the answer, but that we also know is a hot topic and a hot button in our culture. And so, you know, some of us, I think sometimes it may be easier to go up to a stranger and share the gospel than it is somebody that we're very close to because we're afraid of the relationship and how it's gonna affect that, right? It's okay, I, I totally understand, I get it. Because no one wants to be rejected, right? We don't want to elicit a negative you know, behavior from somebody unless we truly believe that the thing we say or do is important enough that we proceed regardless of any negative response. And so what I want to challenge us with as we begin, kind of get out of the gate here, and I'm t saying this to myself too, so it's, it's a we statement. Do we truly believe enough in, 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 in the message, in the gospel message that Jesus has saved us from death and destruction? Do we believe that enough? Because it sounds like it's an important thing. <laughs> it should be an important thing. And really, it should be the thing. And if we really see it that way, why would we not share it with others? It's, it's hard. It's challenging. But we have to come back. You know, this is why it's so important that we gather. It's why it's so important that we sit under the word. It's so important that we hear one another's testimonies. Why? Because it reminds us of how great and how good and how glorious our God is and how amazing the cross and the work of salvation is that it, it kind of injects life once again into ourselves to say, man, I need to tell somebody about this. But we can't force them to receive, can we? No more than that really great piece of food and you're trying to say, just try it. This is it. <laughs> it's the same way with the gospel. And so what we're gonna see today is we, we walk through, we're just gonna kind of walk through chapter 14 together. We're gonna go on a little journey with Paul and Barnabas this morning. And what we're gonna see are some really strong responses to the gospel. There's some positive ones, there's some negative ones. And really, I wanna encourage us with that we, we we really should anticipate the same when we share the gospel. The sooner you get that no, the sooner you get that slap in the face, the sooner you get that ho-hum like, yeah, okay, that's fine. The sooner you can just kind of like, okay, it's under my belt now, I know what it is to be rejected. But I promise you, I don't think anybody in this room has seen the kind of rejection we're gonna talk about today and see in the scripture. Maybe other parts of the world have, but probably not us. And so I hope it encourages us today. And so we're going to begin in, in verse 1 of, of chapter 14. And what I want to look at is I, I, it kind of breaks down to me in like four different, four different responses 
that, that happen. And in those four responses from the people and the sharing of the gospel, we're going to kind of pull some truths out of that and maybe some application for us in our lives. And then there is one additional part that we'll touch on in chapter 14. But let's get into the word um, and to see what God has for us this morning. Before we do, let me just, I'm going to pray one more time. I just, I, I, wanna, I want you guys to hear this today. And not my voice, but I want you to hear what God has. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that we're about to, to um, just enter into. God, we thank you that your word is true, that it's living and it's active. And God, it, it moves us and, and it penetrates deep into our hearts. And God, I pray that your people's hearts are softened to receive your word, that it would take root and that we would take what we hear today and we would put it into action in our lives, that, that, that we would see change, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. So in uh, chapter 14 of Acts, beginning in verse 1, I'll be reading from the ESV. It should be up on the screen for you. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number both Jews of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. And so they remained for a long time. And so I want to kind of pause right there. And so each each response that we're going to look at today, it's, it's kind of, it's broken into three sections. First, we see kind of what the, the apostles are doing, all right? Here, they're sticking to their script, right? Where do they go? The synagogue. First place they go, they enter into it, and they speak, and they present the gospel, and there's both Jews and Greeks that believe. And then we see kind of a response, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brother. And then we see the response in return from the apostles, so they remained for a long time. And that's kind of the, the order that we're going to look at each section. And so, once again, they went to the synagogue. That's what they've been doing, because it's first to the Jews. And so they go there in hopes that the, the Jewish people will hear the good news. It's not changing anything. It's simply a continuation. It's, it's the promise. The Messiah has come. And so here's your answer. And they want to present that. And, and so that's where they go. And they share the gospel. That's, that's basically what it comes down to. That's what they're proclaiming is the simple good news that Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. And interestingly enough, we see this negative response, right? We see that, again, there's this side of, of the Jews and it's, it's interesting to me, who does it say they stirred up? <laughs> the Gentiles, right? Like, hey, let's get these guys going and let them kind of do our dirty work or something so it doesn't look bad on us. So they go and they stir the Gentiles up. And, and they, they go against, they come against, again, the, the apostles and what they're sharing. You see... I think that a lot of times this is what happens in our, here in our time as well. You may be sharing the gospel with somebody and, you know, their buddy, whatever their friend is sitting there, and maybe they're receiving, but somebody hears and maybe they're against what you're saying, and so they begin to kind of whisper in their ear, like, oh, don't do that. Don't listen to what he's saying or she's saying. You don't need that. And again, they're just simply, we see this picture, they're just, they're just disrupting what God is doing. They're disrupting these people and they're, they're trying to stir up trouble because they want to stop what Paul and what Barnabas and what the others are sharing. And don't think it's any different today. <laughs> Why? Because ultimately, not just those people, but the enemy wants to stop or try. It's futile, <laughs> as we have seen. 
It's futile to try to, that you're not going to stop the gospel going forward. But here, people, again, they're going to start being disruptive. And so, you know, what should our response be when, when that happens? You know, I remember when I was younger, you know, a few, a little while ago, and when I was young in the faith would be a better way to say it. And, you know, somebody, if I was trying to share and, and they weren't responding, then, you know, my go-to answer was like, well, enjoy hell, I'll be in heaven, right? I thought it was the truth in love. I mean, it cut to the point. I think some of you can appreciate that, right? God had to work on me. And see, I stand here before you today as a product of God's grace and mercy. And, and there is hope for all of us. And so, you know, I'm a little more delicate nowadays. Uh, but we need to see the person, don't we? And I'll, I'll tell you this. Just thinking if I want to tell you or not. We live in a day and time and an age, just stick around, it's going to only get better. Uh, we live in a day and time right now where we are so connected, like, to what we say. I, I, maybe you understand, maybe you don't understand quite what I'm saying, but, like, you see, we have to try to come to the place, in, in this specific case, where we're talking about sharing the gospel. If somebody rejects the gospel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. And if you can kind of capture that more than just hear, but hear, like, my job is simply to share. It's just like, you know, we say it often, you cannot save anybody. God is the one who saves. He is the one who orchestrates that whole thing. Our job is simply to be faithful to what he's telling us and to, to share the good news, right? I can't save you from hell, but God can. And so when we recognize that we are gonna sometimes get those responses, those re that rejection, it's not, you know, just a rejection of, of us, it's a rejection of, of, again, the gospel. And I'll tell you, for me, that's hard for me because I take it personal. I don't know about you. But if somebody, you know, rejects that, or, or it can be anything. Maybe it's an idea. Maybe let, let's back it up just a little more. It could be the simplest thing is just, you know, your, your party planning for the 175th anniversary thing. And you present an idea, and somebody says, no, that's probably, let's go a different direction. That can hurt your feelings. And you have a choice to either get up and walk out or storm out. Or you can say, Okay, well, let's, let's think of something else. That's not, you're not attacking me. You're just simply, it's this idea that maybe there is a better way. But when it comes to the gospel, again, just remember that they're rejecting God and not you. And so here we see the, the apostles' response, right? So they were, there's this trouble being stirred up, you know? The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. And so what did they do? Did they, did they pack up and leave? No, they remain. Not just remain, but they remain for a long time. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, we'll just kind of keep going here. We're going to keep sharing. We're going to keep loving you. We're going to keep sharing the good news. And we're going to kind of stay the course. And so that, again, that should be an encouragement to us. Even when people try to come in and sabotage, even when people try to mislead, if you will, like this group is doing, cause problems, sometimes God calls us to stay. Sometimes God is looking for us to persevere. And much like, again, that, you know, cutting down that tree, if we just took that one swing, you know, imagine taking an axe and just hitting that. Speaking of axe, axe throwing was a lot of fun <laughs> a couple days ago. You got some dangerous guys in here, just so you know. <laughs> uh, I'd watch out. But, um, yeah, okay. But axes, we're talking about axes. But when you go to that tree, imagine going to that tree and just taking one swat at it and then just like, well, it's not coming down and you walk away. <laughs> Or maybe you take like 10 shots at it, right? 
And maybe it's, it's going to take 11 to get it down, and you walk away at 10. Sometimes God wants us to persevere. And I want to encourage you today, even with sharing the good news, sometimes we need to persevere. Don't just walk away from somebody, especially if you sense that God's saying, no, stay engaged. Continue to love them, because sometimes they're just watching to see what your response is going to be. Right? So again, so this first group, we see this misleading, this, this just what they're trying to do with this stirring up. We see now a second response is, let's continue on. We've got a few verses to cover. Let's look at uh, now picking back up in verse 3. As we said, so they remained for a long time. And so here we go. So speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Okay, so we see kind of this division taking place. In verse 5, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country. And so again, here we see some things happening here. We see, again, what goes on. So they, they're speaking now boldly again, even after that first response. They remain, and they're speaking, and, and, and they're, they're being faithful. And what happens is they start to see God begins to do signs and wonders by their hands. And so, again, you know, in that opposition, we see this, that God is still moving and still doing things. They're continuing with what they were called to do. And that's, that's the Great Commission. That's what they're doing. They're saying, you know, we're going to stay with this because we believe this is where God has called us to. And they didn't just proclaim the gospel through their words, but God used them to work signs and wonders. We saw through action, again, the gospel going forward. And this time, the negative response was that the people were malevolent. They planned to now do bad things to these, these folks, men and women that were there with them. You see, when you really lean in and you persevere somewhere, it is not going to make the enemy happy. And I know that we live in a, in, a, in a place in the world where we truly haven't experienced the religious persecution that the church that we are a part of on the other side of the world goes through a lot more. And I pray that we never see that day. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, as a church, we've not seen that kind of hostility like this, where they're literally threatening to, to do harm to them physically. And we see the apostles and what they're doing. And, you know, as a Christian, we're, we're not called to just to say the gospel. But we're called to live the gospel in front of people. And I want to encourage us today because that is one of the greatest disservices to the gospel message is people that profess to be Christians that say one thing with their mouth but live a totally different way. And, you know, not just the church, but also when our kids watch us. <laughs> I grew up in a home like that. 
Sunday morning, we were all lined up on the pew at church. Sunday night, we were on the pew at church. Wednesday night, we were on the pew at church. Saturday night, I was there with my parents because they were practicing. My mom was an organist. And in Tuesday night, we were at the church. We were at the church all the time. My dad was the Sunday school, but my home life was the complete opposite. There was yelling, there was screaming. And again, it was this situation that you would never expect based on what you saw. And so oftentimes, again, if we don't live our lives in a way that is honoring to God, that backs up what our words say, things, it just, it just falls short. And so here we see, the, again, the apostles, and, and now God begins to do these signs and wonders. And, you know, again, some of you are like, well, if God did signs and wonders now, it would make my life a lot easier. And he does, he does do signs and wonders now, but the thing in this setting, when, the, when the, the beginning of the church, that was like the validation. That was how they were, it was validating what they were saying to be true. And oftentimes you still see today, you know, signs and wonders happening a lot more where, where the church is being persecuted. <laughs> That's why Muslims a lot of time are seeing visions and, and things are happening. Why? Because to walk away from that religion literally is, is a, for many of them a death sentence. And so they have to know that this is real and true. And so God meets them. And that's God's, you know, God's design and God's decision. We still pray. You know, we, I know many of you have prayed. Many of you prayed for Karen Anderson, for healing. And when we say that God gave her her ultimate healing, that's just not our consolation prize. But at the end of the day, we look at it from the eternal perspective. Do you think she feels pain now? Do you think she's even, she might not even think about anything back here right now. She's probably just praising Jesus and getting down, right? And that's the promise for all of us. Don't get lost in this world where, where pilgrims passing through. It's okay to stop a couple places, but don't get bogged down and stay there and make a camp, right? And so again, here, you know, we see these, this happening and we see this, this, this threat and here we see what's the apostles' response. They learn of the plan and what do they do? Do they stick it out? What does it say? They, they learned of it and they, they fled. They said, we're getting the heck out of Dodge, right? And one thing I want you to see is there are sometimes there are times to persevere. Sometimes there are times to move to the next place. God will, will lead and guide you in that. God will put on your heart whether you should stay and, and you should persevere in that place. Here, again, they, they had a mission that they were being called to, and so they moved on. And we now move into a third scene, a response that we see as Paul and Barnabas go to Lystra in Acts 14, and, and we'll jump back in at verse 7. And now they've moved on. And it says, there they continue to preach the what? The gospel. <laughs> it's that simple. The gospel. And now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul's speaking. What do you think Paul was speaking? There you go. There you go. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, And said, he said in a loud voice, Paul did, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. 
Off to a pretty good start. I wish we could start a service like that someday, right? Still praying for it. Maybe it'll happen. So this is how it starts here. And we see this man healed. And, you know, again, I love this, what it says about Paul. Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well. Talk about knowing your audience. And Paul recognizes he was speaking this man in his faith. And so he said, stand up and walk. So again, what could possibly negative come out of that, right? If you see this happen, I think it's gonna go well. Let's see what happens. Verse 11, and when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lysononian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Is that the response they were going for? No, right? Leave it to folks to just blow it. All right, so they've come down in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, right, it's getting big now, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Verse 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the city crying out. Let's pause. You can't write this, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, this is, people are just good for this kind of entertainment. But in Lystra, you know, again, we see them, did they break their pattern? No, they, 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 they went to the Jews, they were speaking, they were preaching the gospel. Once again, you know, through their actions, but also with what they said, and here we saw signs and wonders, and this man is healed. And you know, here, the negative response, it, it wasn't really directed at them per se, like, to harm them, but it was negative just nonetheless. And so their, their response is what I would say is misguided. They had the wrong response. And, you know, here I think it's worth noting, I don't know, you know, maybe not Paul and Barnabas, maybe they were solid enough, but it would be a little, you know, it could be a little ego boost, right? I mean, people are coming, they think you can, you know, you're, you're a god, and so, again, we see the reaction of Paul and Barnabas. And again, when it, it talks about them, you know, them ripping their garments, they're, just, they're so like, vexed and perplexed and like, no, this is not what we're going for. You're missing the point here. You really didn't hear what I said. And again, they, they come out and they, they want to head this off. And what they do is they immediately turn the focus where? Back to Jesus. And so, again, I want to encourage all of us this morning that whenever we're in situations and, and maybe we have shared something, have any of you heard missionary dating? You ever heard that term? <laughs> okay, three people. So you're going to get a quick crash course. Missionary dating is like, let's say I'm a guy and I go to college and I see this beautiful woman, not be more beautiful than this one, she, just as hypothetically, and, you know, I'm a Christian, but she's not. So logically, <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to get her saved. I'm going to pull her around to church and get, get her to, to accept Christ. And when she does, and she's a Christian, and now we can get married. Right? That's missionary dating. If that's you, just keep looking at me, and no one's going to know. All right? But that's called missionary dating. And it's, it's I don't want to get myself into trouble here. I don't want to say, I, 
okay. <laughs> I don't know that it's wrong, but it's, it's, you got to be very careful. Why? Because when I've seen it take place and that they do maybe go on in their relationship together, there's like, there can be this unhealthy view of the one that basically shared the gospel. Meaning like that's almost like their savior. Like that person can do no wrong. Or if you have a super mature believer and you have like a new believer, that person is always looking up to that other person instead of kind of walking together, right? And so, you know, one thing I just want to say, again, it's, it's, it's very similar to kind of what, what's happening here. And, and their response is like, don't, you know, they say we're men just like you. <laughs> and I want to encourage you today, if, if that ever happens, not in that's just dating, but it could be anything, you may be like, you may lead somebody to Christ. You may have that privilege to lead someone, a friend, a family member, and they may look to you as kind of their savior almost, but you always have to deflect that back to Jesus, right? It's always about Jesus. We have to keep him at the front. And so I love the way the apostles, again, I mean, somebody just got up and started walking again. It'd be easy to kind of take, well, it's Jesus, but you know, I was here. <laughs> take a little bit of it. But I love the way that they deflected and they turned people again where their focus needs to be. Let's move on because we got a little bit of ground to cover this morning. Um, let's move on to now verse 15 as we continue. And we're going to look at this fourth response, this, this last group of people before. There's, there's one more, but you'll, you'll see what I'm going for here. Um, in verse 15, and so again, this is them kind of picking back up. This is them talking to all these folks. Men, why are you doing these things? We are, are also, also our men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Again, Paul is laying it out here. In verse 18, even with those words, these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. Verse 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, all right, so check this out, that place they left, the other couple places that people didn't like them, those people had nothing better to do than to go find them and cause more problems, right? Anybody know somebody in your life like that. How many are somebody sitting in the room with you? Okay, just making sure. All right. So they show up, right? They show up, they having pers and, and again, they show up and having persuaded the crowds, they stone Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. <laughs> Verse 20, yeah, it's, I've not experienced that yet. Verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose and entered the city, and on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derbe. Now, was the gospel shared? Yes. The gospel's going forward. The gospel's doing what it's supposed to do. Again, we have different people responding in different ways, all right? And this time, again, there's this, I would say they're malicious, these malicious people that are setting out to cause harm to these apostles. And so they come onto the scene and they have a plan and they actually stone Paul. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they probably had been part of a stoning before as Jews. 
I, I don't want to say it, but they were probably experts in stoning. And they probably had seen what it does to a person, and they probably know, knew pretty much when a person was done, when they were dead, right? I mean, this is probably one of the most horrific ways to die. And so they stone Paul to the point where they think he's dead, and I think we can all agree he was probably in really bad shape. And they drug him out of the city and just left him there. And this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier. I don't think any of us in this room has had this kind of experience when we've tried to share our testimony, tried to share the gospel with somebody. Paul's in bad shape. They, they pretty much have stoned him to the point where they think he's dead. And what was Paul's response? <laughs> they move on, but now he goes back to the city. <laughs> I mean, can you, get, you know, I think of all the, all the apostles and all the other, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ come along and like they're getting him up. He's like getting up, probably can't even see straight, you know, arms probably all hanging, whatever. And he's like, come on, let's go back. And he starts walking, you know, go back to the city. I don't know about you, but I would say my welcome had been worn out. And let's just move on. I sense the Lord is telling us to move on. But he goes back. And now they leave the next day, but I just think it's intriguing to me, and it's, I love this about Paul. He just goes back to the city. Like, well, let's go back. My things are there. My bed's there. As I said earlier, sometimes we stay and persevere. Sometimes we don't. Here it doesn't say that they fled. Here it says they went back to the city, and then the next day they left. So they weren't running from anything. And here's what I want you to take from this, is sometimes people from our past have nothing better to do than to give us a hard time in our, our mission in life. Sometimes you share with somebody and, and their heart is so cold and so far from God that they mock you and they, they, just, they don't just like say, no, it's not for me and kind of move on, but they actually set out to make your life miserable, to attack you, and to make things far worse. Christians, church, there may be a day that, that, that comes when we may have physical harm happen to us just because of the message we carry. Don't ever think it's not possible, because it is. I hope, again, I hope it doesn't come to that, but I will say that it's, it's encouraging, and if you've never read anything about like persecuted church, I would encourage you to do that because God is on the move, and those churches are growing at an unprecedented rate. It's because God is, is there, and, and they don't have time to mess around. Either you, you're in and you believe this or you're not. <laughs> and so, again, I just want to encourage us today that even if this is the case, people are malicious against us. God is still faithful. And so ultimately we come to, you know, the end of our time today where I want to get to in verse 23, 21 through 23. But before we read that, I just want to say, you know, we come to this last place and I would say this last group of people and ultimately we see what the desired response is, right? We've talked today about 
people that mislead, people that might be malevolent, people that are misguided, and people that are malicious. But ultimately, I want to talk today about people that can be multiplied, and those are disciples. This is the desired response. In verse 1, remember, while we focus on kind of some of those negative responses, in that first group in verse 1, it says, a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. In verse 4, that second picture it said, it says, some sided with the apostles. So that means some were coming into the faith to know the Lord. In verse 9, that third group we looked at, it said they, they listened and had faith, and so some did come to know the Lord and receive the gospel message. And in verse 18, it, it, there's the wording there suggests that at least a few responded. And so in every single one of those situations, even though there was a negative response, there was also a positive one. And so, again, people came to faith, and so that opened up this opportunity to start making disciples from converts. And in verse 21, when they preached the gospel to that city, and it says, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. And so they begin these travels, and they're going back to these towns that they'd been to, these towns, the same places where these bad things had happened, and in verse 22, it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And now Paul is a subject matter expert, having been stoned. <laughs> verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord whom they had believed. Again, they went back and they blew wind into the sails of these disciples. And they made sure these churches were running and people were stepping into it. And that's what, again, the beauty of the gospel is. It doesn't take an army, it just takes a few. And then multiplication begins to take place. Why? Because Paul and Barnabas no longer had to be physically present there. Those disciples were able to carry the torch. We're going to wrap up here in just a moment. When you walked in here today, you should have gotten one of these cards. Um, if you didn't, if you could raise your hand, I think somebody will move around and get, uh, get that to you. If you look at the front, I think I've mentioned before I'm part of a group of pastors from really all over the country uh, talking about really evangelism and talking about how in our culture, how do we, as churches, reach out? Because ultimately, church, I would love to see growth, not just spiritually, but even numerically, but I, w I would love for this church to see gro growth primarily through people coming to Christ, new converts, right? Where all of you are going out and you're sharing your testimony, you're sharing the gospel with somebody, they're coming to the Lord and then they come into the church and we have a process to walk them through and disciple them, but you are also a part of that. If you remember at the beginning of the year, we talked about who's your one this year, who are you focused on, who are you trying to lead to the Lord? And if you ever bring them here to make sure you let me know or Pastor Santiago say, hey, this is my one this year. I mean that. We don't want to just be a church that is evangelistic by doing huge outreach events. You know, I talked about the incandescent bulb, right? The big bright light versus the LED lights. Each of you need to be a light where you are, and together we make a very bright light to the world. And so how are you sharing? And so how is my temperature? That's, that's this side, that side of the card. And here's kind of a scale from left to right, one being apathy, unaware, disobedient, and hostility, to 10, growing impact, influence, God uses you, people believe in Christ, you're a recognized leader. 
where do you land on that scale today? Where, do you, where would you put yourself? You don't have to answer that out loud. And so, you know, you, you walk through those questions. What is my temperature now? What would that be for you? I'll tell you this. Pastors, right, in this group, we probably range from like four to seven. Okay? And it's not what you think, maybe it's not discouraging because, you know, sometimes you're going to be hotter, other times you're going to be a little cooler. But what it is, and, and that's, you know, again, asking yourself, what is my temperature now? Why am I currently this temperature? Maybe you're busy with other things in life and you need to kind of juggle or, or rearrange some of your priorities. And then the last one, and this is what I love, and this is what is the encouragement, is how can I increase my temperature one degree? If you're a three today, don't try to go from three to 10. <laughs> Ask yourself, how can I move from a three to a four? What's something I could do today to, to, to shift that just a little bit, to just be a little bit more aware? Um, and what you're gonna see, you know, we're gonna, you're gonna start seeing this stuff more often. There's some things that are, are happening. Um, Dan, I'm gonna call you out. You know, Dan Cable, he's gonna kind of be uh, taking the lead on our evangelism stuff. He's not gonna be doing it by himself. There's other people, uh, Daryl, Pastor Santiago, others that have a heart for this. But we are going to equip you, we're gonna train you, but we're also gonna meet and we're gonna encourage one another. We're gonna share our stories, we're gonna share our successes, we're gonna share our failures. And then we're gonna ask ourselves, how do we move one degree? Right? How do we move one degree? And so, you know, I want you to really take this and think about it. On the back side, this is the same thing we use in this group. You know, this is your, your blessed list, we would call it. And again, the acronym is at the bottom. I'll let you read through that, the process. But again, start with one person, but maybe there's three people. Who are three people in your life right now that you could be praying for on a regular basis? And when you write that person's name in that prayer plan, like what we do is we put a date, like here's, here's my next step. This is what, by this date, I wanna do this. Maybe it's have them over for dinner. Maybe it's whatever, connect with them this way, invite them to church, invite them to this thing. And once we do, then you know, you, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And it keeps you accountable. Like how are you following up? And so you do that in that prayer plan, specific ways with dates that you plan to follow up with this person. And again, just I'll really quickly walk through this, the, the bless, begin with prayer. That's the first thing you need to be doing is praying for that person. And if you don't have a person, start praying and asking God, who is that person? You listen, you talk to them, you ask questions, you hear their story. Remember how Paul saw that person, that man? You need to see that person across from you. You need to understand them, where they're coming from, why it is the way they are, why, why do they think the way they think? Maybe they're kind of bitter. What, why is it that they're bitter? Love them, understand them. Next, eating, right? Everybody loves to eat. So eating is such a way, there's just something that the walls kind of come down when you sit at a meal together. And so you eat with the person, you talk to them, you, you share a meal with them. And then there's serve and be served. You, of course you serve them, you offer to help them, you care for them, but they, they said statistically the percentage is super high. When you ask for help from somebody, it can open up a door because you're showing your vulnerability. You're saying, I need help with this. <laughs> maybe you need to borrow a stepladder, or maybe you need help with something. You know, maybe you need to ride somewhere and say, hey, would you mind, could, is there way you could give me a ride to pick up my car from the mechanic? Let them help you. And then ultimately, you look for that opportunity to share the gospel. And so, listen, please don't 
put this like under your bed somewhere or you know behind the refrigerator. Um, put it somewhere you're going to see it. Put it on the bathroom mirror, right, or something. It just you need to be reminded. I need to be reminded because we can get busy, right, with good things. But not every good thing is a God thing. Amen. All right, as we close today, we see that, again, the apostles were on a mission. They were answering the call, the great commission. And as, you know, when you read through the rest of it, they get back home and they don't stay there long because they go out again. And our calling is still the same today, that we're called to the great commission. We're called to share the gospel. And their result was, and that should be ours, is to make disciples not just to say, get somebody to have a profession of faith, but how do we walk them in and how do we see them mature as followers of Christ to the point where ultimately they're going out and making disciples. That's what we want to see. And that's what we want to help all of, all of you and all of us grow to. You see, God wants to use us not just to add to his family, but to multiply through making the making of disciples. You know, as they went back through some of these places, it seems they were on a little bit of a different mission. They no longer were just going to the synagogues or people who didn't necessarily want to hear. They went back to the new believers and they did what? They built them up. Because they knew they couldn't stay there forever. They knew that they needed to prepare these people so that they would continue to grow. Remember, there are times when we need to, to move on. Acts 13, if you remember, it says they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went on to Iconium. Sometimes we need to shake the dust off, all right? You're just gonna, somebody's gonna be like, no, and just like, it's okay, I just, I will move on and I wanna be faithful to what God has called me to. I believe today, again, what I want you to take away is Paul and Barnabas are providing the model for evangelism that we can use, that we can go out and we can reach any kind of people. <laughs> There will be some no's, there will be some rejection, but there can be a lot of victories as well. The question is, not how much are you doing today, but what are you doing today? Are you thinking about that? Does it keep you up at night to think about that person that you care for, whether a coworker, a friend, a family member, might be going to hell just simply because they don't know the good news? Or maybe they're misled, right? You know, some of the greatest opposers to the gospel came to know the Lord one day. There was a complete, we talked about one extensively today, a guy named Saul, who was literally persecuting Christians and his whole life changed around, spun around, didn't it? So don't write that person off that God may be putting on your heart. Instead, write him on your list and start praying for him and watch what God does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can go to your word, and God, there's just such encouragement. There's such um, brutal honesty and reality. God, again, I love the fact that your word doesn't paint this, this, this pretty picture, Lord, of that everything's gonna be fine, and I think there are times, Lord, where sections of Christianity want to say, and they even want to preach that that's what the case is. When you say yes to Jesus, that all your problems go away, that there will be no more challenges, and that's simply not the case. We see it here in Scripture. In fact, we even, may even have more challenges in life. But God, the point of it all is, is that at the end of the day, we have relationship with you, and that's all that matters. 
For God, it's in those moments of, of difficulty where we're struggling and in our weakness, Lord God, you are made strong. Your, your will, your grace, your strength comes shining through. And God, that is what we want the world to see. So God, I pray that you would give us boldness as your church, Lord. Boldness to share, Lord, with, with those that are hurting, those that are lost. Not in a way that's cold and clinical, Lord God, but in a way that's caring, in a way that's loving, in a way that sees the other person where they are. And God, that you would give us by your spirit the words to say. God, for us to be present, Lord God, and to have built even a relationship with them that maybe it is, is through a time of, of difficulty or a time of suffering or a time of a loss of a loved one, Lord, that their hearts become soft and they're able to receive. So God, we just thank you that you would lead us, Lord, direct us, Lord. And God, again, I pray that, that you would bring us our one, Lord, just this year. And God, that that would only be the beginning, that we would keep looking, Lord, for that one to share with. So God, I thank you for the hearts, Lord, of your people today. I pray, Lord, that you, again, have stirred us and that we are motivated, Lord, to go and to share the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.